Peak Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders with your host, Bill Stats. Hi, and welcome to the Summit Club, a business roundtable. I'm your host, Bill Stats, and I'm with our Summit Club team, Rick Feinblatt. Hi, Rick. Good morning, Bill. John Thane. Hi, JT. Hey, great to be here. And John DeVickis. Hi, John. Hey, how's it going? As we typically do, our conversations around a current business subject or a book of some significance, and many times it's an interview with the guest contributor. And today we're really fortunate to be talking about leadership in this period of business reopening as a result of the virus pandemic with our guest, Marianne Conicella. She passed publisher of Philadelphia Magazine and Emma's Publishing. And if you're in business, I'm sure the conversation is going to be relevant to you and your business success. So we'll give Marion 30 seconds to give us her commercial, and then we'll uh, Summit Club team. Let's get started our climb around the topic of leadership transformation. Marion, thanks, Bill, and thanks for inviting me in, especially at this really interesting time in our business lives. Many of us have lived through several times like this before, with 2001, 9/11. And you have to remember in 2008, not only was it an economic challenge, but also in my industry, we had a major disruptor, and that was called digital. So one of the things that I love best about the career that I've had is being able to be involved with these transition periods, uh, pivoting as people referring to them today, and using some great skill sets that I've learned over the years to be able to help people through these new times that we're going to go through. Uh, Mary, let me ask you something. When you say a transition plan, the first thing that comes to my mind is a document or a structured communication. Describe what that would look like. Okay, that's a great question, and thanks for asking. The document is the byproduct of actual work that needs to be done. So the first thing I would recommend is in putting a document together is build out the strategy of what you want that information to look like in your document. For us, a transition document was about where we are now and the pain that we're in, uh, how we viewed our brand, how our customers and prospects viewed our brand, and where we wanted that brand to be. So what I would suggest in the document that you look at is, number one, deciding on a timeline of how you want to prepare a document, what the goals of that document are. Also, to take a look deeper into the document, looking at the team that's going to be involved with the transition period. So develop your team develop a timeline, develop a commitment from the team as to what you want that to look like. Within that document, the basic bullet points are this. Define your brand. And and part of defining your brand is what is your stakeholder position in the market? What is your value proposition in the market? And what are the core values and your mission and what you would like that to be? The next step to that is, is in your team, is having a collaboration within your team. And it's really important that that team is very diverse. So you should not make, you should, you, what you should do is make sure it's beyond your senior leadership because some of the best, best knowledge, best wisdom has come from uh, people who are new to the organization, some people who have been in positions long term, but also your clients and also your prospects. They will tell you things that you really should hear from the outside. So going through the process would be looking at what those, those four bullet points are and then redeciding what you want to your, your brand to look like. And that should be based on these types of things. What are the things that are going on in your customers' lives right now? 
what is different today than was yesterday? And how does that affect your brand and the messaging of your brand? Is your brand mission in alignment with what's going on in the current culture? If it's not, what will you change with that? Uh, the collaborative team should, at this point, once you start uh, getting your feedback in and start putting it into some organizational format, then there should be a, a living place where everybody can go to be able to feed into that document. Then anybody within the organization should be able to feed into that. So once the team presents to everybody in the organization what you're doing, there should, you should find a place where your organization goes to for this kind of information. It should be an open document. People should be able to feed into it. You, we, when we did these transition programs before, we would take them out to prospects, people who weren't using our services, to tell them what we were thinking about doing, and out to our best clients to get their feedback too. So Marion, it, it, it sounds to me that communication is a key element of this documentation. Is, is that true in your mind? Absolutely, and I think one of the things today we have to remember, since we're all remote right now, and uh, according to this morning, uh, Wall Street Journal, there are some companies who are going to stay 100% remote. Uh, Facebook is one of them. So I think we have to put ourselves in a position of accepting the fact that we have to be really, really uh, literal in how we do our communication. And by that I mean, uh, you know, there's that unexpected communication that you have in your office. It's just an understood communication from being in an office setting. We don't have that anymore. So there are companies that I spoke to that I think are wonderful with some of the things that they're doing. They have faces, you know, they have their pages on their website that people can go to to see fluid conversations and communication. It's bucketized so that you know it's if it's a you know if it's a per personnel information if it's marketing information but there are places that they know that they can go to where they can find current up to date information and and important to pay attention to is keeping that information fresh and live. There is uh, a company in Philadelphia that also has a a like they call a huddle room where they keep up uh, a live information on a regular basis so anybody can go in and just drop information into that so everybody can share what their feedback system looks like in the company. The other piece about communication is is really setting up some expectations with communication. Whether you're going to have uh, weekly meetings, whether you're going to have one-on-one -on -one meetings, uh, whether you're going to have huddle meetings, whatever you decide your communication is going to be, and I don't think there can ever be too much of it right now, I would suggest that you definitely structure it, communicate what it's going to be so people know what the expectation is. So one of the lessons I learned early in life, which I thought was so invaluable, is letting people know that they will have time to meet with the people they need to meet with so that there's not this uh, culture they call drama culture. You know, people running into an office or, you know, emailing, you know, uh, you know, ongoing because they want answers now. One of the things I think is great from a management perspective is to teach your people that there will be time to meet with you, there will be time with the team to be meeting, and that they need to be doing a list of things that they think are going to be important uh, points that need to be discussed by a group. A couple things happen. Number one, it builds synergy with the team. Number two, when you have your meetings and you're setting up a communication system, let the people know what your expectations are. If you're going to have team meetings, then who's going to be involved with the team meeting? What, what are you expecting them to bring to the team meetings? Marion, yeah. when you talk about all these meetings, 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 these are not physical meetings. So what kind of, are we talking about FaceTime, 
from your cell phone while you're walking your dog? I mean, what, what kinds of meetings are these folks going to have now since they're not walking down the hall talking to people? Okay, and I love that question because I have two scenarios I would like to share with you. One is the nightmare scenario of a person that I'm very close to his work that works for an ad agency, and that is the I'm walking the dog, I'm you know getting ready for bed, and I'm on the phone, and it's it's craziness I call it, and I think it's very disruptive. I think if you have a manager that that you know is going to be checking in with you at a given time and a given day, get your list together, put your thoughts together. And be thoughtful about the time you're going to be spending with each other. It is FaceTime. I believe in as much FaceTime as you can get to see with somebody to see if eyeball to eyeball, you know, contact with somebody. But again, uh, you you have one-on-ones with people that you should be doing on a regular basis. So decide what that regular basis is and make a commitment to it. And in that regular basis, is even though you're the manager, it's not just your job to have the meeting. It's you're coming to a meeting with me. What all do you want to share with me? What all do you need to have help? Uh, what help do you need to have on these things? In group meetings, I love having a group meeting where everybody comes to a meeting with contributions, whether it's the article they saw in, this, in the Wall Street Journal this morning about working from home indefinitely, uh, whether it's challenges that they're seeing in their own industry, but it's the time for group share. Your meetings are to give headline you know, you know, information to your team, but also for people to be sharing and ideating and inspiring each other. Marion, in regards to the the document itself, what's the the overall size and scope of this thing? I mean, it, is it something where it's more top level or is this more expansive and, and, and overreaching where is there a, a danger when your staff see this document where it's more war and peace and they just glaze over right away? And then um, the, next, the next question for that is, is this an internal document or is this something that becomes client facing at the same time? And then how do you differentiate that language if there is language in there that is more local speak and then language that's more, they shouldn't be seeing that this is a client document, so they got to be able to clean that, that language up. How does that all work? Okay. So I love this question because being through these transition times, you know, you always have that management strategy or philosophy is, oh, we can't tell everybody too much. They'll be scared. And what we learned, especially in 2008, was Everybody was scared anyhow. Your clients want to know what you're going to do. Your prospects are wanting what you're going to do. It's it, Sharing has a lot of value. And yes, you have to have the expectation as a manager that you're always going to have employees who are, you know, the, the hiccupy people, I call them, your challenge people. But they're there for a reason. And, and some of the things they may have contributions on may be great points that you hadn't thought of. So in letting, you, letting uh, the process flow, what you'll find is at the top, you know, when, when you first put the document, it's a, it's a pretty simple document because it's very focused. What's going to happen is when you share it, and you definitely want to share it because you need, you need collaboration. You need consensus, definitely, mm-hmm. as best as you can get. And that document needs to be a living document. You'll see things be added to it, and you'll see, and you'll be see things that you might want to take out of it, things that you thought as a team were the right things to be doing, the right strategies. You might see backtracking on that. And you might decide your stakeholder position doesn't include two things that you have in it right now. And there may be some really uncomfortable feelings in the organization about that. Let it be debated. Let you have that conversation with your clients and your prospects. They should hear those things. They're the ones you're going to go to and have those discussion points with. So with all of this communication and adjusting and revisiting and whatever 
what the heck happens with goals and objectives and strategy to get there. And I mean, how do you handle that with your team or your peers? Uh, it just seems like it's really going to make it a, a pretty, pretty sizable challenge to stay focused on these new goals or revised goals. And what do you think, Marianne? Well, I think right now, when you talk to people about what's happening in business, with the exception of some, some businesses who are doing just fine, they're, the elephant in the room is things aren't good and what's going to happen in our organization. And I'm, I believe in transparency. Even if it's bad news, bad news is only bad news when there is no news being discussed. So better to get the elephant out in the room and have a discussion about here's reality team. Make sure that they feel that they are part of the decision-making process. So in looking at your question, Bill, you need to do revised goals. You're going to have a revised plan. And, and the best thing you can do in having these new plans of action is having your team be on that, that process so that they buy into what you're asking them to do. You don't want them to feel the goals are too high. They need to be based on a good business plan. You need to decide with your new, your new uh, transition plan what your new goals and expectations are for your team. And that needs to be clearly, clearly defined with them. That brings me to a question, Marion. I go back to uh, literally your introduction. And in your introduction, you mentioned 2008. The immediate challenge you had was the economy. The second challenge you had was how do you address digital? So you had a short term and a long term. Today, businesses are saying, how the heck do I get through COVID-19? What do I have to do to reopen? You know, ultimately though, they're gonna have to look at the long term. What's the long term impact? What's the new normal? What's the next normal? How does that play into So I wanna use an example of somebody I know, I'm very close to that is in the restaurant industry in Philadelphia. Um, and has several locations and has, is doing a reboot. And it's interesting because this person has wanted to do a reboot for about two years and couldn't get consensus with the rest of her team on doing this reboot. She wanted to streamline the operation, thought they had too many offerings. All the things that, that we all get ourselves into and can't get ourselves out of because the team doesn't want to let go. So now... I said to her, this is like the biggest blessing in disguise for you because you now are allowed to do the things you really want to do that you know are the right things to do. So I think for some of us as managers, you have that gut instinct of we should be doing this and you don't, you can't pull the trigger. Well, now you can. And for her, it's dropping back and really streamlining the operation down to really core products that they know that people care about now. The next step will be, when they do start opening and they can allow their business to expand a little bit, now they're going to be very thoughtful about what they're going to let back into their product offerings. So I think we should, that's a great analogy to me. You're going to drop back. You're going to streamline everything, tighten up. When you take your first step, let's say it's, if it was me making the plan right now, and I am working with a client right now, we're doing a three-month plan. We're doing from now into basically August. What's our activity look like? Because the activity that has next three months is really setting the stage for the balance of the year. So really, we're kind of doing a three and six months at the same time. So the baby steps happen now. It's, it's fundraising. It's how do you fundraise 100% digitally or in a new culture, which we're figuring out right now, 
and making a plan for that. But we also know, and one of the things I keep focusing on with them is, we're never going to get back to the way it was, gang. So don't think this time next year we're back to fundraising like we usually do. We won't be. And I know that we're taking it seriously because the organization now, instead of being 40% focused in the revenues on fundraising, now it's down to 23%. So we know that people are getting the message that you cannot depend on the way business was. So I think to your point in asking that question, John, take advantage of the fact that you can do a drop back now and really redefine what you think the most important, urgent things that your customers need from you today. And then what's nice to have? Well, the nice to have things, well, do we want to add those nice to ads back in in six months coming into the fall? Maybe. If we do, let's ask our customers now, what are the things that they miss the most that they absolutely would love to have back? I think that's kind of language is very simple, but that's what I would be doing. Terrific. Thank you. Uh, Marion, a, a question about uh, the new normal. And by the way, I don't know about the rest of you. I am ready for a new term. For the new, <laughs> I have no suggestions, by the way. <laughs> Somebody can work on that for me. And Rick, same thing with pivoting. It's like I can't hear pivoting anymore. Uh -huh. exactly. That's my name. It's pivotal marketing. <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you. But uh, anyway, regarding the new normal for now, um, it seems to be virtual. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that, Marion? You know, I'm a people person. I like eyeball to eyeball contact. Now, that being said, I think we're so fortunate in that we have visual ways to communicate with people. The one thing that I think is really important for us to think about is, is when you're going to have those kind of meetings, let's tee it up and let's have expectations of those meetings done ahead of time. So for example, if we're having a great big team meeting, the group meeting is 20 people or more, what, what's my homework? You know, what am I bringing to the meeting? Same thing if I have a client meeting or a prospect meeting. When I'm on the phone with a client, whether it's digital, whether it's a visual or whether it's not visual, just audio, before we have that meeting, a great, you know, little text like, I'm looking forward to the meeting today. Uh, what's going to make this a good meeting for you today? What's going to make this a good use of your time today? What are the three bullet points we absolutely have to talk about today? So to that point, Rick, I think it's really important to be super uber focused on what you want that to look like and make good use of that time. The same thing you would be doing in a meeting. So to me, there's no difference in a regular meeting and having a phone call. What I find people have done is it's sloppy. It's sloppy offerings, I call it. It's sloppy conversation. It's not well organized. So there's people I think that are on the ball are the ones that have actually come up with a process, process in their communications. Thanks. Marion, in, in terms of the phrase that pays the whole new normal, right? Um, how do you work, like it or not, moving forward with this? So you have to implement these changes with your team and especially your clients. Uh, how do you implement that, especially if they're even a little um, techno technologically impaired, if you want to call it that, or just flat out resistance to all this changing around them? So I had a great experience last week. We had a board meeting for the Philadelphia Ronald McDonald House. Most people on the board, I'd say, are... 55 to 75 years old. So not the most technology driven group of people. But I found, interestingly enough, that the team helped the people who weren't technology driven and it made them feel comfortable because a lot of those people didn't want to be on Zoom because they felt very uncomfortable. They felt uncomfortable about the room that they were in, what their surroundings looked like. So I, my suggestion is, and I'm going to steal this from a company I know in Philadelphia, Razorfish. I love, my daughter-in-law works there. I love the way they proceed with things because they build processes. They actually give boot camps on Zoom calls 
You know, if you're doing a visual call, like this is what, look at your surroundings. What do you want the messaging to look like? People love to see what you are really like. So this gives them a peek into that. Secondly, define what the agenda looks like. Make your custom, make your person you're having the meeting with feel comfortable. Is, is this going to be the time for them? Is, you know, especially today with people home, kids are going to school during the day. It's really cluttered. So I think the one thing somebody asked me earlier, it might have been Rick about, you know, about communication. I think you have to be really, really open to as, you know, as how's it going? You know, that you've got to be doing a, a maybe a surprise check-in with somebody just with, I'm calling to just check in on you. Are you all right? How are things going? Let's let's hear it. Because you, what you want to do is make sure that you're getting the best out of your people. And the best way to do that is really be tuned in to the challenges they may be having. And you've got to work around them. You know, you're not going to do a phone call, you know, a conference call at five o'clock at night if you know all hell breaks loose in somebody's house at five o'clock at night. So, you know, and there's some of us who like those five o'clock meetings. Well, guess what? We've got to switch up what we're doing. So, again, that's really important. And I'm glad you asked that, John, because it's here to stay. You have people with other lives other than just work, and you've got to figure out how you're working into that now. That's great. Thank you. So uh, I think big picture, we all uh, kind of understand a lot of the nuts and bolts that you've described today. Um, what do you think about the effect on the culture? And a lot of people, uh, they're almost living in a semi-conscious world and all of a sudden everything's upside down and there's fear. And it sounds like what we're all talking about today is a major adjustment to culture in an organization. How do you deal with that? So I think different people have different things that they do. My niece is a manager at Vanguard, and she now has two teams instead of one. Can you imagine that? So, you know, on top of having one team, you got to, you have a second team now. But I love some of the things that she's, that she's doing. You know, this is a very structured organization with very tight norms. But I love the fact that she that she's sensitive to the fact that the culture is upside down, especially with them now working at home with the kids at home and everything else going on. So she's actually planned, has planned in time for timeouts with her team. It may be Friday afternoon at three, Friday afternoon, three o'clock today. They're doing, you know, they're doing lunch and Vanguard will send uh, delivery service into everybody's home with their lunch for the day. Uh, you know, four o'clock when their meetings over, the lunch meetings or whatever they're calling it, then they're going to have, you know, drink time. So fun things that still serve a purpose, but you've got to find a way to keep your team connected. One of the things that I love too, somebody also shared this with me, and it goes back to my days at Billy Knight, which I love doing this, is having teammates, having, having a person that you're, that you're, you know, that you're teamed up with within your organization. So that you two have a way to bounce things off each other and stay connected. And it's a good way to make sure that somebody's staying within the organization and letting somebody, you know, you know, hear what their perspective is and what's going on with the challenges in their life, as well as what the job that they have going on. So again, having teammates, you know, you know, whatever you want to assign at many groups, I think is a great idea. And she, it serves people well who do that. I know have another organization that does the same thing. So, you know, one of the things that comes to mind when you're talking about this is a virtual happy hour. That's what they do. At Friday, 3 o'clock today is their virtual happy hour. And they've had lunch meetings. The other company I talked to has had lunch meetings at 12 noon. They're in the city, you know, the most of their people, people working as team are in the city. So they have Uber just deliver their lunches for them, paid for by the company. So, 
you know, you don't have to go to those that you know, you know, that that point, you know, where you're having all this sophisticated stuff being done. You can just, you know, people were just like, let's grab lunch together. One o'clock tomorrow, time out, one o'clock, let's do lunch together, blah, blah, blah. And here's what we want to accomplish in that meeting today. So it's not just a random meeting. It's we're really going to use the time wisely. So let's just take a minute to recap um, what we've talked about today, knowing that Marion is going to make a white paper available for um, us to post on the summitclubpodcast.com website. Um, let's just go around our business roundtable, if you will. And JT, what, what kind of uh, uh, struck you as uh, significant about what uh, Marion presented and what we talked about today? Thanks for asking, Bill. Two things literally jumped out. And they jumped out, and it's hope for the future. It's something to focus on. And the, the terms were streamline and Uber focus. You mentioned a restaurateur that streamlined something that she had thought about doing in the past. Well, a lot of businesses are going to have to streamline their, their offerings now. Find out what's really important. Concentrate on that. Do it really well and find new ways to deliver it. And Uber focused. You know, I spent a lot of my career in sales, and so many times I think salespeople, sales managers go into meetings kind of unprepared. Let's treat it as a fact-finding mission. You know, if they ask a question, there's no wrong answer. We can always say, well, we'll get the answer to that and get back to you. Well, now you only may get, you may only get one shot on Zoom. You better be prepared. I think this could actually lead to improve productivity going forward. So thank you for, thank you. You've given me a lot of hope here, Marion, and I appreciate it. Hey, Rick, what do you, what do you think, Rick? What, what, what comes to mind for you? Marion, did you want to say something before? I, I did, real quick. And John, I have to tell you something. Because the thing that I love the best, though, is that we have access to so much information to be really prepared for meeting with a client or prospect. We have LinkedIn. We have all kinds of information we get from our news on a daily basis. I love the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal, to me, I'm addicted to it. You can't pick up that paper and not find a nugget to be sharing with your clients. So to your point, I get it. I remember those olden days. Like, you could throw everything at them. Well, now you don't throw anything. You've got to want to be focused on what you're doing. So to that point, use your resources. They're out there, and we have them. It's silly to not be using something. as easy as Google is. Terrific. No, thank you. I, I'm leaving here a lot more encouraged than I was coming into this conversation. I thank you for that. Yeah, you always have sort of been pretty negative, John. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that this discussion has done for me is uh, maybe made me think about the future and um, change is inevitable and always has been in, in business. And, you know, what I would suggest to everybody, and I think what Marion has helped us with today is Change doesn't have to be negative. Uh, we're going to be doing things differently. And, and I would hope everybody can focus on the positive parts of those things rather than spend their time dwelling on things that we're not going to be doing anymore. Um, and it, it, doing that actually serves no purpose. So it's, it's part of what we always have done in business. You know, embrace it and move forward. And, and thank you for your time today, Marion. You're welcome. JNAV, what are you thinking? I had two takeaways from this, actually. Um, the one that I really liked is putting together 
a training manual or some kind of a primer for your clients or even your prospects to let them know how you are operating moving forward with all of this. You get all that off the table and you give them a really good sense of comfort that it's, it's not going to be too disruptive, even though the world is disrupted at this time. Um, and the last one that, I, that um, it's not necessarily the most professional version of, of what we talked about today, but it's just the, the happy hour aspect with your employees and even maybe some of your clients. Um, it, it's too easy with, there's no schedule anymore. Everybody's, you know, the nine to five doesn't exist. Every, I'm getting, I'm talking to my clients at 10 o'clock at night and it's not a big deal anymore. Jay Nev, um, we don't even know what day it is. We don't know what time. day it is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just the idea that um, to connect with those around you uh, in, the, in the professional world as well as your personal, but we're all people and it just, it's really just going to help bring everything together and um, stop relationships from deteriorating with all this distancing. So to True. that point, to that point, I had a wonderful experience two weeks ago. Uh, a client, a person I've known over 35 years uh, professionally, who's now a chief marketing officer at a health, major healthcare system in Philadelphia, and one of my top account uh, executives at Philadelphia Magazine, who handles a healthcare a, a category. And we've stayed friendly over the years, but we all decided to do a happy hour, you know, or just a dinner, you know, whatever we did, we whatever. But it was eight o'clock Tuesday night two weeks ago. And it was great because I got to hear what was going on in the COVA world from somebody who was living in the COVA world. I got to listen to somebody in Philadelphia Magazine who's struggling through what's happening with you know media right now. And we also got to talk about just that 30 plus year relationship we all have and the value of that and and the, the importance of staying connected and talking about our families and you know the grandkids and everything else with that. So to your point, being in business, there's something very beautiful about that, and that is being able to have these wonderful relationships that aren't just about business. They also serve you with having a touch point in your life. So thanks for bringing that up, John. Mm -hmm. Sure. So for me, uh, listening to, to all of you and, and Marion, I really thank you for, for being with us today. I, I really liked the idea of a go-to place. I have no idea what the hell that means. And that's what I really like about it. Uh, wh whether it's a, a bulletin board, a virtual bulletin board, or a chat room, or a depository, or it's a virtual connection with a mentor or an accountability partner, I just like the idea of communicating to your team. There's a place you can always go to, you know, and you can figure that out. Um, the other part is the transition document. I think it's it's really critical for customers to know. What the heck is going on? And in not just sales, but management, you've got people that have no idea what changes you're going through. And I'm always a big believer in upfront problem solving. So I think it, it's better for you to take the initiative and explain to people what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it instead of get, getting caught on the back end where things are different and they didn't know. Um, I also like the idea of, having agendas for virtual meetings because otherwise sometimes can just turn into a rambling conversation, which is good if that's the intent. But if the intent is substantive and you want to get decisions made, you got you to stay focused. So uh, for those out there, thanks for listening today. Don't forget to check out the summitclubpodcast.com website for other episodes as well as Marion's white paper, 
Uh, we cover a lot of different business issues and ideas. Uh, keep in mind the Business Roundtable provides consulting services, marketing resources, one-on-one -on -one coaching, team coaching. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Uh, I read somewhere, I don't think it was the Wall Street Journal, but it said in life, you're either the person holding the cup or the person with their mouth open. So you pick. I, I think what we talked about today is more holding the cup. For myself, Rick, JT, John, and our guest, Marianne Conicella, here's to the climb to the top. To learn more about the Summit Club podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club podcast, and we'll see you at the top.